0: Hello, this is Matthew Johnson, and I'm the pastor of The Sanctuary here in Columbus, Indiana. Welcome to our podcast. I pray today's message inspires and challenges you. Feel free to visit us at thesanctuary.church if we can serve you in any other way. So now, let's head to church where we are in session. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Turning to Mark chapter 5. The Lord is in this place in a very special way. I stand in his presence humbly. I'm thankful for what he's already done, but there's more to come. Next Sunday, you are want to be here because our choir is coming back. Our choir is coming back. After more than a year in hibernation, we're coming back. Thank you, Brother and Sister Gordon, for your hard work. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for pouring into us. And thank you for bringing the choir back. The next three days we have designated as time of prayer and fasting. We will be joining here at the church the next three days at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. When we planned this, we did not plan it to be right before our district conference. Many of you know our bishop is our, also our superintendent of our district. But part of this prayer and fasting, I believe, is ordained by God. We're going to pray for our district and we're going to pray for Bishop and Sister Mitchell in Jesus' name. The Lord is going to give them strength, big decisions that have to be made. But as a church body, you all know what Bishop has said for many years. Where's the action? Prayers where the action is. So we're going to have an action-packed week in the house of God, 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. I encourage you. I understand you can't make it to all those, but as you can, please be here. Now, what type of fast are we going on? That's completely up to you. I'm just asking you to fast in a way which your flesh feels it. In other words, if you say, Pastor, I really feel like I need to fast from beats for the next three days. Or, you know what, I I just think that uh, I'll only watch three hours of television each day. Let your flesh feel it this week. That's what fasting's all about. It's telling your flesh no and telling the Lord yes. So I believe the next three days is going to be powerful. Turning to Mark chapter 5, verse 25. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood, 12 years, say 12 years. And had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had, was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind him and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Notice here that she had an expectation that something was going to happen if she could just get to Jesus if i can just get there there's going to be an answer verse 29 and straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague and jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him turned him about in the press and said who touched my clothes and his disciples said do you know how many people are around you and you're saying who touched me Verse 32, and he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Today my message will be in the form of a question, and it will be this question. How desperate are you? How desperate are you? I want every heart in this place to be transformed through the power of Jesus Christ today. And I can't do that for you. But when you submit to him and allow him to come in, he can transform you and change you. I believe someone came today wanting to be transformed. If that's you, raise your hand. If you want to be transformed through the power of God, come on, all right. Now let's pray together. In the name of Jesus, Lord, you see our hearts and our minds. I ask you, Lord, to anoint me to give your word. I ask you, Lord, to open up every heart and every mind. You see that one who has a wall up, but God let it come down so that they can feel your power today. I ask you, Lord, to put a desperation within each of us so that we as a congregation have a desperate spirit before you. We ask you, God, to do the supernatural in this place. In the name of Jesus, can you clap to the Lord right now? Ask your neighbor that question, how desperate are you? You may be seated. Webster Dictionary defines desperation this way. A state of despair, typically one that results in rash or extreme behavior. Or showing extreme urgency or intensity due to a great need or desire. Perhaps you need a few examples. Have there any mothers here you've lost your child in the grocery store? And you think that they're gone. And then you're desperately trying to find them. And then when you find them, the child is desperately looking for shelter. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Or that man who's in the desert and there's no water in sight and he's so thirsty that he's desperate for water. Even our young men feel this desperation, a desperation to find the right girl in their life. Yes, we deal with desperation at a, very young age. A few years ago I went on a scuba diving trip in Hawaii. Was that our 20th anniversary honey? Our 20th anniversary and we went uh, scuba diving and this isn't me but I desperately want you to think it's me. (laughs) That's not me. It's called Google. And I went, Ryan I, I really wanted to do this right so I I went to extensive classes all two hours in a swimming pool. And the man said, I think you're ready. Okay. My wife's like, you are crazy. And so he said, are you sure you're ready? And I was thinking, Brother Rob, I was like, no, but yes, because I wanted to do it. I wanted to, because the guy with me, he had a GoPro camera. I didn't bring the video here, but I actually do have GoPro video. He followed me. I was scuba diving and seeing these really cool fish, right? And I was like, it's all set up. I'm going to scuba dive, and I have the video footage to prove it. And I'll post it to the members page for those of you who are doubting right now. Yeah, I know. I know the same people who love cats are doubting me right now. By the way, whoever put a cup on my desk that said, Cat Dad, that is not prophetic. I will find you, and I will pray a blessing over you. My wife is sending me pictures of cats now. She says, because you did, oh, honey, please help me. I remember I was diving, I was scuba diving, and going to the bottom of the Pacific was a little different than the bottom of a swimming pool. And I kept going deeper and deeper, and I got colder and colder, and they said, if you're worried at all, just pull this thing and come to the top. Well, that's easy enough. So I was, I mean, I get this I mean, it was Darth Vader for the first time in my life, and I was, I was breathing, and I, and I had it down, and then I, I, I noticed that I was breathing heavy, and he kind of came up to me like, it's okay, and I was trying to read his lips through the scuba gear, and it was, uh, it was okay, and then I, I'm like, this is the life. I'm like, I'm seeing things I've never seen before, and then as I was doing it, I began to realize there could be a shark down here. And I began to realize that some of these things, like the were poisonous down there. And I was getting close to the rocks, and, and if I got some of that, that coral in my feet, then I could have problems, and I could be stuck down there. And my 20th anniversary could end with my death at the bottom of the sea. And it hit me at once, and I started panicking. And I went from to he said, now when you're real low, don't pull that thing because you'll bust your ears. At this point, it was either bust my ears or die. And I pulled it and the whole way up, I'm like <laughs> This point, I was beyond myself. I got to the top of the water, I was like, <clears throat> I was desperate to get out from under the sea. He got to the top, he's like, Matt, are you okay? oh, yeah, all the time I just pull it and I just come to the top just because I wanted to see the sun. What do you think? He talked me off a cliff. He said, are you ready? And I said, yes. And I went down to the bottom of the sea and I enjoyed the rest of the scuba trip. And I have photos to prove it. You can clap if you want to. I mean, yeah, thank you. Desperation that said to me, I just have to get some air. Desperation means you're gonna do things that you normally wouldn't do. The greatest example of this, for all those who are fathers, was a parents of a five-year-old who came and they went into his room and they thought they heard a noise and they got in there and he pointed to his throat and they realized that he had a marker, top of a marker in his throat. And imagine what you would do at that moment. They began to try to pull it out and as they did it, pushed it further down. And as they looked at him, they called 911 and they were in the middle of the country. And you have to understand imagine holding your child as he's turning blue. Imagine. And literally, they were watching him die, Brother Meeks. The helicopter came and got him and they told him this in the emergency room Your child is going to be brain dead. He's not had oxygen for some time. But then the people of God began to pray. Do we still believe in miracles? Desperation says, I will do anything. Jace, uh, where are you at, Jace? When Jace was, I don't know, was it five when he had that seizure? Jace had a seizure, a febrile seizure, and if you've ever had a child with a febrile seizure, they are terrifying. It looks like your child is dying. I was working at the hospital at the time, and I mean... That was the time I was working there, but I wasn't at work at that time is what I'm saying. I was in my pajamas. Rebecca was in her pajamas. Jace had a seizure. It looked like he was dying. We got in the car. I drove 135 miles an hour. I mean, as fast as my car could go. Because you know what? I didn't care if a cop followed me. I didn't care if he gave me a ticket. I was going to the hospital because Jace was going to live. She was giving... Uh, trying to get him to breathe, he wouldn't, Abria was in the back seat praying the name of Jesus over the whole city and the whole county and the whole country. Thank you, Abria. God heard those prayers. We got him there and we were so desperate. Here I am, the PR director of the hospital, coming in with pajamas on and my hair a mess. They'd never seen me that way before. before. You know why? I didn't care who saw me. When you're desperate for something, it doesn't matter who's watching or what they think. Can I tell you something? That five-year-old boy, it's been about 10 years ago. And when that happened, they said he would be brain dead. He had no complications whatsoever. Jace is here with no complications. When you call on the name of Jesus and when you get just a little desperate... That's when God can do his best work. In this story we read about a woman who's desperate for healing in her body. We find Jesus in the, is in the middle of a big crowd, and I have a picture here, maybe to kind of help you to see what this crowd may have looked like. They said the crowd, the historians say the crowd was so big, there was a lack of oxygen. It was almost like you could suffocate, it was almost like you could be, be crushed. That's the number of people that were there. Jesus had cast demons out of a man earlier in the day, and now he was heading to heal a little girl, and he had an assignment to do, a mission to accomplish And that's when we read about this very sick woman. Although we tend to focus on her terrible illness, this woman had other problems. You see, for 12 years, she had dealt with this, and she was declared unclean by the law. That means that she was shunned from society. It's how some of you felt when you got COVID and you couldn't be around anyone for several weeks. Imagine having to go anywhere and saying, unclean, unclean. That's what she had to do. It was even worse than being a leper because at least the lepers had their own colony. She did not have that. She was all alone and outcast to society, separated from friends and family. She never knew what it was like to go to a family reunion. That might have been a blessing. She never knew what it was like to go to the mall or go shopping. She was unclean. And that day, she was defying the law by even being there around all these people. But you see, she was desperate. She had been to every doctor and spent all the money she had. She had followed all the protocol. And when you've done all of that, you start getting desperate. In our society, it'd be like, Going to Mayo Clinic and seeing the best specialists. You use all of your life savings. You max out all your credit cards. And as you're leaving the door, they say there's nothing else we can do. She was now broken, weak, and desperate for an answer. On that day, she saw as Jesus healed others. And she knew if I can just get to Jesus, I'll be healed. But there was problems. There was the crowd. You see, in that crowd, show that picture again. In that crowd, there were others who needed miracles. In those crowds, there was others who'd been waiting much longer than she had. So what were her chances of getting healed? Very little. But you see, when you're desperate for something, you'll do anything to get it. My question to you is how desperate are you today? How truly desperate are you for God? How desperate are you? Are you desperate enough to push past your pride? To push through the crowd? Are you desperate enough to stop caring what everyone else thinks so you can get to Jesus? Are you desperate enough to feel his presence that you don't care if someone sees you dancing? You don't care if someone sees you up at the altar. All you know is you've got to get to him and you've got to have your relationship right. Well, Pastor Johnson, I'm just not the emotional kind. I don't get excited about anything. If a miracle is going to come, it's going to come. But can I tell you, as humans, we are all emotional. I remember back in 1983, Christmas of 83, there was a new toy that came on the market. And we actually have one here. Um, Does anyone remember the Cabbage Patch Dolls? get here, Avery and Jay's. How many remember these? These were awesome. If you own one, please stand. If you're a male, please be seated. <laughs> I don't... Okay, Jason. I mean, it's... I just took his man card. <laughs> now, does anyone remember how much, how much people wanted these things? Okay. I have a video that is just a reminder of how bad it was in 1983. Let's go ahead and show that now. This is what it looked like in the retail stores as people were trying so hard to get a Cabbage Patch doll. Actually, turn the music up. Can we turn the music up? I think it goes well with it. There were riots, there were fights, people were trampled on. There was a record of one dad who paid $5,000 for one. Abraham, sorry, I paid $20 at Walmart. In Milwaukee, Wisconsin, two radio announcers joked that a B-29 bomber was going to drop Cabbage Patch Kids into an empty parking lot. All you had to do was bring a catcher's mitt And hold up your credit card so the pilot could take a picture of your card. And people showed up. (laughs) Dozens of cars showed up with their credit cards in the air, hoping to get a cabbage patch doll in the freezing temperatures. But you see, when you're desperate enough for something, don't tell me that you're not emotional. When you're desperate enough, you go beyond your emotions, you go past your pride. Inside everyone in this place, there is a hidden desperation inside of you. And I'm asking God to place a desperation for him all over again. When all we desire, day and night, is more of him, how desperate are you? How desperate are your kids for your kids to be saved? How desperate are you for people in this city to be saved? Sister Kreider, please stand. Where are you at? Where are you at? This week in our refuge, 25 addicts showed up to this church. Our first meeting. Do you hear what I said? Someone needs to get excited about that. 25 addicts came to the sanctuary looking for hope, looking for an answer. My question is, are you desperate that way? Do you believe there could be 25 more souls and families that would come to truth? You see, it's going to take desperation. Because God delivered you, he's put a desperation inside of you to reach someone else. Now, now, this is a former addict right here. Is that all right? This is a former addict right here. He blesses our congregation every week. He should still be strung out, but it was the grace of mercy of God that someone was desperate enough to say, oh no, we're not going to let you go down that path. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And because of that, because I've been saved by grace, I want to have a desperation to reach someone else. That's here for Brother Chris for volunteering for Refuge. How many want revival? How many want revival? I'm not gonna pump you up, you either want or you don't. How many want revival? How many want to see every seat filled and us have to bust the wall out for more souls? How many want that? Now, stay standing for a moment. Wanting is great. Desperation is better. All the guys here, let me talk to you for a moment. If you're desperate for a bass boat, you will figure out a way to get it. You, you will go on Facebook Marketplace and you will message that person and try to get $500 off and you'll reason with your wife why you need it for your health sake and how it will lower your cholesterol and help you be a better dad. See, I'm hitting where you're living right now. There's a difference between wanting it and being desperate for it. We all want revival, but are you desperate for it? Sit down for a second. My first service here and to the board before you weren't able to be there in the board meeting where I sat down with the board and all the board members, you remember when I told you, do not, do not vote yes to have my name go before this church if you're not ready to buckle up and get to work. And then my very first service, I came and I said, they're going to come. Buckle up and get ready. But if we're not careful, when they come, they become more of a burden than a blessing. I'm preaching to a body. When they come, we'll have open arms and we'll do whatever we can so that they can be healthy and well. And if it takes a few more hours, I'm desperate enough. I want to see them go to heaven. And if it means I have to pray a little more, I'm so desperate, I will do it. You see, this is where the rubber meets the road. When there's work to be done. When everything that has brought us to this moment means desperation. The vision of Imagine was never, let's just build a beautiful building. The the goal was that this place would be filled and that this wouldn't be big enough for the revival that God would have. But it will take desperation. It will take desperation. On my way into service today, Want you to understand where your pastor is living right now. This week I had a wonderful meeting with a wonderful couple, and in that meeting this individual talked about this addiction that he needed to get rid of and how it has been besetting him and causing him to keep him from being the priest of his home. And we began to pray together. And I told him, God can help you through this, but you got to do some things yourself. And we ended that meeting. And when you're done with a meeting like that, there's nothing else you can do but pray. And I prayed. I said, God, I've said what you asked me to say. Now I ask you to do your work. And on my way into the sanctuary, this man said, would you meet me at the dumpster? I'm going to throw away my last pack of cigarettes. I'm never going to it ever again. God has convicted me. And what is God saying? I'm so desperate for God. I'm willing to give up the addiction. I'm willing to give up the sin. I want to go to heaven. And whatever it takes, here I am. Here lies the problem. I need some, this first row, I need you guys to stand right here. Jessica, I want you to be back there, okay? You guys stand right here. Stand right here. And Jessica, you go back there, okay? I want you to imagine for just a moment if she was the woman who needed to get to Jesus. Now, I'm not Jesus, just so everyone knows. Jesus is right here. Not the cabbage patch. that is not Jesus. that's uh, not Jesus. Oh, Lord. His name is Little Guy. I mean, that's definitely not Jesus. She's back there. And she's got to get to Jesus. Here is our problem. It's the crowd. Now, she knows that if she can get to Jesus, the answer is going to come. But guess what? These guys have been waiting for days to get to Jesus. It's like going days early to the Apple store for the new phone, right? They've been waiting to get to Jesus. And you think, little Prissy, that you're just going to push your way through and you're going to be a budger to get to Jesus? You see, but she had been struggling for so long that she didn't care who you were, what you thought. And this is what we're dealing with. We're dealing with the, cr- the crowd of pride. It's a reason why some never come to the altar because if I come to the altar, then someone will think that I'm a sinner. Imagine that. Now, can I just get this out? Pastor Johnson is a sinner. Can I just get that out? Do you feel better now? You're welcome at the altar. Let me go a step further. Bishop is a sinner. He's a sinner. You know, the only thing that sustains us is coming to the altar one more time. So you know what? You sit down because pride is not going to get in my way. If I have to push through and everyone wonders what's wrong with me, I will get to the altar. What about, uh, what about condemnation? This crowd says, You're not worthy to come to the altar because of all the nasty things you did this week. Why do you think I'm going to the altar? So, you know what? You can sit down. Yeah, that was not fast enough, but sit down. Let's talk about this guy right here. Let's talk about our own agenda. This guy reminds us that we have our own plan and we have everything just perfect. And by going to the altar, God may alter that to his plan. Imagine following God's plan instead of mine. And if I follow his plan, then it's out of my hand and I have no control. That means someday when you stand before him, he's pleased with you. Are you building your castle or his castle? This is about his kingdom. It is not about my own agenda. Now, some of you may not know, this is a pharmacist right here. And he does very good work. And I'm very proud of you for going to college and doing all that great things. I'm very proud of you. This is a praying man right here. If you know him, you know his heart. But can I tell you something? He doesn't let his credentials or his education keep him from this altar. You know, he says, this life is not my own. When you get up and you worship up here, I don't see credentials. I don't see all this big stuff. All I see is a humble child of God who's desperate for the presence of Almighty God. But for right now, you got to be seated because you're in the crowd. Now we have this guy right here. This guy right here likes, likes things as we've always done it. This guy actually likes the country club mentality that says, you know what, Sister Crider, I appreciate that you can minister to those folks. That's just not for me. I, you know, Brother Rose has been my friend for all these years and we have this tradition every Sunday that we go out together and, and, and you know, Sister Crider, those 25 people Some of them may have convictions, convictions against them. And I mean like convicts, not like convictions. I mean like convicts. They may have criminal records and you're bringing them here. You're bringing danger to the country club. Do you know how many convicts that we're going to see in heaven? Doesn't care about your past or where you've been he only cares about where you're going and can I tell you something if it makes me uncomfortable or different I'm willing to push it aside because I've got to get to the master how desperate are you today and I like that you're kind of hiding that's perfect That's real perfect because that's what some of us do when we come to Sunday service and it's time to worship, but instead we decided to just kind of sit back and watch the show. Let's see what's going to happen this Sunday let's see who gets healed this Sunday all the while he's trying to touch your heart and put a desperation in your spirit he's trying to give you a desire for the lost and if you just sit back and you don't participate all you are is a watcher but God is calling you to participate and you know what we're not gonna just watch we are going to participate Does anyone here have a family member who's unsaved? Raise your hand. How desperate are you to see him here? Does anyone have a coworker who's an addict and you know it right now? I mean, I'm not raising my hand because are my coworkers here? <laughs> um. Do you criticize them because they? You can smell the alcohol in their breath the next morning, or you? Desperate to see him come here. Talking to your heart today, to your spirit. I was at the Honda dealer this week and I met someone and he and his wife and his in-laws are going to be here next Sunday. But my question is, are we desperate for them to be here to stay? Or is it a revolving door? that people come and they go. Can I tell you, I am desperate for revival in this city like it's never been seen before. God has prepared us for this moment. He's given us the facilities. He's given us the talents. He's given us the abilities. He's given us the anointing. The only thing missing is a desperation inside every heart and mind. Stand to your feet. A desperation can't be put inside you by anybody else. It must be through prayer and fasting. I realize even right now, some of you are wondering what's happened to our crazy new pastor. God did not call me here to just have church the way we've always had it. He called me with the desperation inside my spirit. Close your eyes. Even right now, the crowd is holding you back. You see, if you can just get to Jesus right now, there'll be something imparted into your life. But the enemy is telling you all the reasons why you don't need to come to this altar. But that woman didn't care that day. She pushed through the crowd. She didn't care. She didn't care what they thought. It was a desperation. more than your talents, your abilities, your giftings, what God is calling you to is a desperation, where nothing else matters but Him, and if you can just get to Jesus and touch the hem of His garment. talk to the Lord right now. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. If you need more information, visit us at sanctuary.church And we pray that in the days to come, God continues to bless and guide you in Jesus' name.